Hi, everybody. John J. Filippelli with Kevin Sullivan's Curtain Call. Been away for a little bit of time, uh, but we're back, and uh, we have a very special guest this week, is Sarah Kustak, and we'll get to her in a little bit. Uh, but uh, first, hello, Kev. How are you? How you been? I'm doing well, Flip. Uh, quarantining up here in Connecticut uh, with the family, but we're doing well. We're uh, hanging in there. How about you? I've been okay. You know, it's been, you know, it's look, a tough time for the country. It's a tough time for everybody right now, but... Uh, you know, there's a line of sight here, and hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get through it. We'll persevere. We'll get through it. We'll be strong, and you know, we'll, we'll we'll come out the other side. We'll be all right. I mean, that's the way you have to think, and it's the way I do think. And uh, but uh, you know, it is challenging times, and uh, it's exciting that there's a prospect that we could be playing baseball at some point soon. That's exciting. Yeah, and if I'm reading the tea leaves correctly, there's reason to be excited about that, right? Yeah, I mean, from what I understand, I mean, uh, there's, I mean, there's a number of issues that the owners and the players have to agree to and agree, agree upon. But I think that, you know, so the, the big one, the health and safety aspect of it, I know that there's some understanding on it. I think that's great. And now they're talking about the money. So, I mean, uh, they'll figure that out because, uh, you know, the good of the game, the game needs to be played. It needs to be on the field. Morale of the country right now, the country needs its sports. It needs it in some way. And as long as they take, take care of the health and safety part of this, um, there's every reason to believe we'll get back on the field and be playing baseball, and that's kind of exciting. And, of course, uh, you're specifically talking about baseball, but we should note that our guest this week is a legitimate force in the basketball broadcasting community, right? The Emmy Award-winning Sarah Kustak? Oh, she's fabulous. I mean, she is a tremendous talent. She's as good a person as she is a, a talent. And, you know, she meet a lot of people in our business, and, you know, some are real, some are very talented, some are just really, really nice people. But when you put it together, you're the whole package, and she's the whole package. And uh, she's done it everywhere that she's been. She, every place she's been, she's excelled. And uh, I, I don't know that this woman has a ceiling of any sorts. I mean, uh, I don't think, I don't believe in ceilings, you know. And uh, but uh, I will tell you this: she has so much talent. I don't think there's anything in this business she can't do. So she's exciting. Good guest. She'd be a lot of fun. She will be a lot of fun. An amazing broadcaster, like you said, though, an even better human being, I think. Um, how about without any further delay, we go straight to our conversation with Sarah. I like that. So, Sarah Kustak, where are you? Sarah. Welcome back to Curtain Paul, John Filippelli, Kevin Sullivan. Our very special guest is Sarah Kustak. Now, she's joined us now, but before we get to her, she's going to have to wait because I have to read all this stuff about Sarah. So you're going to have to wait about 20 minutes when I get through all these credits and all the things that Sarah's done, but I'll try to give you the cliff notes of this, okay? So she went to DePaul University. She played volleyball while she was in high school, but when she got to DePaul, she was an All-American basketball player, a great basketball player. And while there, she decided to uh, do some television work. She, she got in a truck. She found it interesting. She says, I want to make a career out of this. So she started working for ESPN and Fox doing sideline reporting of college football, college basketball. Um, she also morphed into Comcast Sports Chicago. She's a Chicago girl. This girl is from Chicago. Through all these credits, you'll say Chicago girl. You ever saw Chicago? It is a great play. I recommend you go see it. Also a good movie. Okay. So, so from Chicago, she did the Bulls. She did the Cubs. She did the White Sox. MAQ Chicago. She did anchor work. FS1, first things first, where she's doing work now. She's at, yes, I'm really running out of breath here. She is the first female full-time analyst for an NBA team, and she's also an Emmy winner. So with all that, and I've left out a million things for the sake of time so I can pontificate. Hello, Sarah Kustak. How are you? Flip, I am incredible. Getting a chance to talk to you makes my day, so I couldn't be better. So, so how are you getting through? Uh, there's a lot of things to talk to you about, but we'll start with 
how are you getting through this uh, this incredible mess that we're all in and how are you passing your time and what are you doing and tell us where you are. Yeah, Flip, so I'm in New York City. I live on the lower west side of Manhattan. Um, I, I think people say this a lot, but I truly mean it from my heart. This global pandemic is impacting everyone and in doing so in so many different ways. And I'm so grateful that I'm one of the people that my job is to stay home and stay inside to stay safe. And there's so many people on the front lines doing the hard work and the effort to help keep us safe. So I certainly am not going to complain. I know there's challenges in all areas and we miss calling games and we miss the normalcy that we've got to experience with live sports. But for me, a lot of it, it it's been reading been doing some writing, the Zoom calls, interviews. We, of course, have still on the Yes Network been putting out the Yes, We're Here. So still keeping in touch with a lot of whether it's our current Nets players, former Nets players, um, finding ways to still work. I've been working out inside and putting on a mask, going for runs along the Hudson and the East River, but uh, otherwise just trying to use this as a moment to reset and reflect and spend time talking to some of the people, friends, family, that you don't always have this much time to connect with. So, so I'm doing well. I certainly am not going to complain given the circumstances. It's, 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 a rough ride for, it's a rough ride for all of us, but, you know, we all do what we can. And I know that, Sarah, you've, been, uh, you've actually been doing a lot of work for YES and you've been doing our spots called YES, We Here. And uh, to do community outreach to tell you know to tell our, our viewers and our fans that we are here. You know we, we can't solve this mess obviously, but what we can do is do our own little bit to try and make things a little bit easier for people. Try to tell them where they can get some help or to solve some of the issues that they're all facing, and also to give them some comfort and reassurance in a very difficult time. So I know that you are one of the people that we rely on very heavily, and yes, and you've done a really terrific job with that because that, that's also who you are. That's your personality. You're very outgoing. You're very giving. You're very generous. And uh, you know, I, uh, it's really quite a privilege to know you, to be honest with you, but uh, I don't want to give you a big head because I have to pay you. Never but, flip, uh, never pay flip. Money, pay enough money, I pay you money. I, I would never have these opportunities <laughs> without you. So I'm, I'm going to turn it's, it right back to you. But, uh, but that's the fun, but yeah. to your point about, yes, we're here, we, we appreciate our fans and our viewers and the audience so much. And it's, it, we've come to feel like we know them and they're our friends. So I think that's why it's so important for us whether it's in the digital platform or the linear platform on television, to make sure they know that we do care. They're, they're just as much of the people that we miss um, as are the games and the athletes. And so hopefully it's just been a small, a small way to still keep in touch um, with those who we appreciate so much. This is kind of the question I usually ask you ask in the middle of an interview or at the end of an interview, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move this question up. When you see Doris Burke or you see Susan Waldman or you see Leslie Visser, uh, what do you think and what do you say when you see those women who are really pioneers for, for women in the business? What do you say? They're probably like this fangirl. Can she just get away from me and stop hugging me and, and thanking me? And it sounds, um, it sounds like I'm joking, but I'm not. And that the opportunity to, to be in touch with Susan and with Leslie and with Doris, um, I put and Myers-Drysdale on that list. I mean, it, it goes on and on because it's not just in the NBA, it's not just basketball, but it extends to other sports. And I would never have the opportunity that I have. I say it all the time, but I mean it. I want to say it to listeners without people like you who believed in me, who took a risk, and those before me who had been in circumstances, situations that Many had not seen females in certain roles before, and because of their brilliance, because of their competency, because of the way in which they succeeded, 
it gave others the faith that, oh, okay, we can continue to make this more of the norm. And so every time I see them and, and I appreciate them all for so many different ways, so many reasons, not just the jobs that they do, but the people that they are, the friendships I feel like I have with them. Um, and it's everything. It is absolutely everything. And I never, ever take that for granted, not for a single day, because I know that they are the reasons why I have these opportunities. And I hope that I continue to do the work I can do because I hold that dear to my heart, the responsibility that I want young girls behind me to have those same type of opportunities. And I know that if I don't do my job and do it the right way that they, you know, won't have quite as easy of a path. So for all of us, we're all in it together. And it's, it's certainly an important part of what we're doing and what we have an opportunity to do. It's so Sarah, important to have, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. I just I want uh, to sorry, but, That's all right. Just yeah, answer one you know, question. During, do you want to go back? You can go. Want to go? I'll go after Jumping you. right in, Flip. I'm no, sorry. No, let me get open. Hold on. Uh, Sarah, are you, this is Kevin. Kevin wants to say something. Yeah, Kevin. Your turn. Go. Say something. <laughs> Sarah, yeah. during Flip's incredible intro of you, he mentioned your Emmy win. Congratulations. Thank um, you. Worth noting, you're the first woman to win the Sports Analyst Emmy in New York, um, which is great. What does that mean to you? It means of a multitude of things. The first thing I'll say is that I'm absolutely humbled. I have such an extraordinary amount. I know Flip gave me an incredible uh, introduction about me being born and raised in Chicago, and it's it's where I, I have my roots. Uh, but there it was never a time, even when I was in high school, when I was in college, getting into this business, that I didn't have an extraordinary amount of admiration and respect for the New York market. One of the biggest reasons why I wanted to come here, I mean, New York City, and when it comes to sports is the place to be. And so um, that in it of itself makes it so special. And I say this a lot, because I think whether you look at athletes, whether you look at different individuals in the broadcast, you, you can spread this across any industry, any career. I think people are motivated by different things. I think so often we, we hear people talk about, oh, I wanted to prove this person want, wrong or prove this individual wrong or who motivates you. Um, and Mike Conley Jr., who, if you're familiar with the NBA, extraordinary career, played most of it with the Memphis Grizzlies, currently with the Utah Jazz. But I'll never forget, this is probably four or five years ago, he was, he was speaking about something. He had a quote. He said, it's not on my agenda to prove those who don't believe in me wrong. It's on my agenda to prove those who do believe in me right. And so, Flip, I think about you think about John Littner, I think about Frank DeGrace, Ian Eagle, the list goes on. Um, that's what it's about. And Flip, you were one of the first person people that I thought of. Frank DeGrace was one of those people I thought of. Ian Eagle, Ryan Rucco, Michael Gray, our entire um, Yes Network team. That's what it's about. So um, that's, that's a long-winded answer about the question about the Emmy, but I think it just encapsulates you know, the reason why I love what we do, the reason why I love what I get to do is the people I get to do it with. And we know that it all comes from the team. It all comes from every last one of us, those in the truck, those in the studio, those doing all, um, all the work to make us look good. And I'm appreciative of every one of those people. So um, it's, it was such an honor. It was one I was humbled by, but I know that I never, ever would have achieved it with, without all of us. You mentioned uh, Frank DeGrace, Ian Eagle, they too. It was a big night for the Nets coverage, um, both winning Emmys. Uh, overall, the Nets did a great job. But what did they win? 
four, five Emmys of our eight, which is amazing. Sarah, what do you think it is about that Nets on Yes team? Why is it so successful? Is it, what's the chemistry there about? It, we all love each other. And, and I think that extends, we see it throughout the entire family of the Yes Network and Yankee coverage. But when I personally, you know, can speak to our Nets on Yes, the tr- Ryan Rutherford and Ian Riley and um, our director, Dan Barr. And again, the list goes on. Chris Carino calling some games for us. But Richard Jefferson has added to our team. Um, we truly, we truly love one another. Our group, our group ch- chats and texts and messages throughout the course of this pandemic has been off the charts. I feel like we don't go an hour without someone dropping things in. But because of that, I we hope that it resonates with the viewers. And I think, um, you know, anytime you care so much about the people you're working with, you got their back, and you want to make sure that you're putting together the best product possible. And so for us, that's what it's about. It doesn't matter, you know, what's happening in the course. For, do, do we love wins and getting to call exciting plays? And our goal is to put together the best broadcast possible each and every night, regardless um, uh, of what that looks like. And I think that comes with preparation. That comes with a knowledge and understanding of how that all gets put together. And whether it's the years that we've all been together and those that have been before that, whether it's just the love and the passion for what we're able to do. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, when, when you look at what we've been able to accomplish, I think all of it just comes from the fact that we truly just love each other and love to work with one another. And I think, you know, the product that seeps through all of it is just our passion for doing a great job, but more so doing it with one another. I'd like to provide a little context to what you just said, just because I think I should. Uh, what made those wins so amazing, and this is no knock on anybody, you know, when you get that far and you get a nomination, that's, you know, that's, that's pretty substantial. And the competition is always tough. And this year in particular was a very tough year of competition for us because like what the David Wright for the Mets is what Derek Jeter is, was to the Yankees. I mean, he's the, David Wright is Derek Jeter to the Mets, okay? And he had an incredible farewell, and they did a really good job of covering all that. And so they wanted an Emmy for Best Series, and they wanted an Emmy for Best Special. And, you know, the fact that, that Sarah won Best Analyst, and, and this was like an onslaught of David Wright. So the fact that we could insert ourselves and win eight, but also the fact that Sarah wins an analyst when, you know, the, their, their analytical work was superb, Sarah wins. Ian Eagle wins Best Play-by-Play, and their play-by-play work was substantial on that as well. Cole did a good job. So you look at that and you say, in the face of that, Iron Eagle wins, Sarah wins. We talked about history before and about you know, being in a clubhouse or a locker room. Out, you know, it's very diff- it was very difficult for women, and it was, it really was. I go back to the day when you know, women were not welcome in there, and it was a tough environment, and they really had to – they didn't have to prove themselves once. They had to prove themselves 50 times and, or 100 times or every day. And that was really not right. It wasn't fair. But, you know, the Leslie Vissers, the Susan Walmans, the Dorothy Boris Burks, the – the admirers, they, they, they persevered and they, they broke that ceiling, you know, and, and Sarah has a great sense of history. She recognizes that she follows in that footsteps and she, and she walks it away with humility and understands what that was about. Okay. Now I'm going to segue to, to history because we started talking about history. Let's follow with history. When Sarah won and I won, they were the first play-by-play, first analytical analyst to win in, in a sport in, 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 in New York heavy history. 
That's the first time that ever happened. You think about all the combinations, all the people that have worked together through the years. This goes back 60-something years. And the fact that, that Ian and, and Sarah could win in the face of the competition that they were up against, was they deserve it, but I'll tell you what, that was truly incredible. So they deserve a tip of the hat for that. So there you go, Sarah. Tell me about Ian Eagle. How much time do we have? Uh, uh, let me put it this way. It has to be short. Can we reinsert than your curtain call <laughs> podcast with the great Ian Eagle? You know, I mean, to your point, um, yeah. that night was special for a variety of reasons, but I think that alone, and it, I, I'm repeating the same type of things, but I, I've, Ian Eagle is one of my very best friends, and he's someone I talk to all the time and every day. Um, he still, he, him and Elisa said they extended an offer for me to move upstairs during this quarantine because they have like a workout bike in its own little area. Um, so I don't know if he really means it, but depending on how long this goes, I may be over there. But um, Ian, I've said this story before, but it's worth repeating for those who just know his extraordinary calls um, and tremendous voice and understanding of timing and just precision on everything that he does. And I think it, we overlook it because you turn on the TV and you're sitting on your couch and you're not totally aware. The fact that he can go from the NFL to the NBA to college basketball, everything that he does, the logistics alone of going from game to game, I think is mind blowing, let alone the amount of preparation that he puts in. And Ian Eagle prepares for every single broadcast like it is the first broadcast that he's ever done. And like he's been, has this one broadcast for two weeks that he's been prepping through. The, the amount of knowledge, the understanding, um, it, the attention to detail on players, I, it blows me away every single night we do a broadcast. And he may have been coming from across the country on no sleep and you know looking at different and you would have thought that he truly has been gearing up for this for two weeks doing nothing but sitting on his computer getting ready so um his amount of preparation to tack on to the fact that he is such just has an extraordinary skill set of calling games followed by he's one of the best human beings you want to find I, I don't know what can come He's one of the funniest. He's one of the funniest. The funniest. Add that in. He makes us gut laugh. I mean, truly, I can't tell you how many times I have to redo my makeup after a production meeting because I'm pouring with tears and gut laughing. He's my bus partner on the way to away games and, you know, or on our ways to the arena. And we're sitting there and I'm, I'm keeled over in laughter. Um, so it's all of those. He has every bit of intangible you would want. He has every bit of... Um, just special characteristic that makes him extraordinary. And that's why I say, truly, I think he is, along with us getting, and Ryan Rucco is so phenomenal. And, and so that's why it's easy for all of us to look good when you, you've got partners like that. But Ayn is just, um, he is so special that it's hard to put it into words. And I'm so thankful. And I'll keep saying this w with everyone though, but at the end of the day, he is just such a truly good human being. And that's what I'm most thankful for, because, um, you know, it, it would be easy to, to look and see, wow, he's one of the best play-by-play -play men in the country and not have a true understanding of just what a wonderful person he is. And for that, that's what I'm most thankful for. And it's organic. I mean, the thing about him that, that makes him so incredible to me is he's, he's organic. I mean, you, there's a lot of, you know, I always tell play-by-play -play people, 
don't get caught in stylized calls, you know, because you're taking away part of the moment because you're in, you're in a style, you're doing something stylistic. You know, when he says, there's a, oh, it's a grown man's jam, and you say, to you, it is a grown man's jam. You know, and, and, and that organic talent uh, to react to the moment the way he does it, be in the moment, and to call the moment, and to frame it in the proper context is truly a great skill, along with all the other things he brings. And when I say it's organic, I mean, I don't know anybody that's as funny as he is. I mean, he's the funniest person I've ever met. So it's quite, a, it's quite an honor to be with him and have him and, and have the group that we have. And I, I want to go back just a little bit, Sarah, because we didn't touch on this, and I'd like to touch on it a little bit, about your days you're at, you know, at DePaul and you know, playing basketball at DePaul and you know, you're getting interested in television. And you know, what intrigued you about, the, you know, obviously sports, you love sports, but what intrigued you? about television when you first sat in a truck or you know first saw a mic or first saw met people who were in the business something had to intrigue you to say you know what i think that, that might be something that interests me what was it that it, that it, it did well it's a great question Flip, because i think you listen to so many broadcasters and they knew that they wanted to do this since they were a kid they were practicing in their mirror they were you know turning the tv on mute and calling games and that wasn't me i was a kid out on the playground playing all the time. I w went to school to play basketball, as you mentioned, at DePaul. And so I, I always cared about my studies. I always cared about school, but uh, I was, I didn't truly know that I wanted to get into TV until I was, so I had finished playing. I was on my fourth, yeah, I was finished my senior year, but I had started taking grad school classes. Um, so my athletic director was kind enough to let me, um, finish grad school my fifth year and, and to finish off my scholarship I worked in our sports information department and so during that time I had met a handful of different people but I was getting my master's in corporate multicultural communication so I love the speaking aspect research writing but I had a variety of ideas of what I might do after I graduated and through that time I had met some individuals at ESPN and they're like oh just you know you can come be a runner and you guys know we have our runners and the different sure. jobs that you do. And so I was a runner for a Big Ten college football game and sat in the truck. And I, I, that was the first time, I mean, having played, you know, played sports and, you know, our games being televised and what I never actually sat in a production truck. So I didn't have a true understanding of how what you saw on television was all put together. And so from the set day on Friday, the game on Saturday, I was sold. I was like, this is, this is everything I could ever dream of and more. And my questions about, oh, I, I, I like this idea of career. I like this idea. I like this piece of this. Well, I, it, it, it all came together because what I loved as an athlete was that adrenaline. For, for as much as we all love sports, it's that adrenaline rush. It's that, that light goes on and you're going gonna to win or lose. You're going to succeed or fail. And that's going to happen to everyone, learn how to deal with it. But the idea of coming back, continuing to be better, um, the, the team aspect of it, knowing how important it was. We may be the faces on the front of the screen, but how important it was for everyone to be involved. And I think just all of that together, I, I fell in love with it. Um, and then through that time, continuing to do that, I was able to, to pick up some, we all know it's a crazy winding path, but whether it was some high school state championship games and some other women's games being an analyst, and then um, one thing leads to another. But from that moment, it, it absolutely captivated me, the idea that this was a career path. And you just say, hey, I'm going to do everything I can to try and continue to get better at this. 
because um, it's certainly not easy to keep it going at first. And it, um, it it's something that's truly special is don't take for granted. And now during these circumstances, during this quarantine, during this time, we're missing live sports. It makes you realize even more um, how special of a job that it is. So I want to go back to your playing days a little bit. Um, of course, today, part of your job is to analyze other people's performances. But you yourself are quite a player. Give us the Sarah Kustak scouting report. I understand you are a uh, prolific three-point shooter. That's funny you say that because I've been at, there's a handful of things I, I've been doing that I've been asked this. Um, I think that's the first thing people talk about. I was a three-point shooter, and um, that was a big part of my game. However, more than any, like the reason that I ended up starting my freshman year and playing as much as I did and having the career I did throughout the course um, of college especially was our coach played in a style and it wasn't seen much in the women's game at that time. And the DePaul women's basketball still does. And uh, they've been tremendous for, for many, many years now. But much of what we see in the NBA now, if you want to call it small ball, but we we got it and went. I mean, it was all about sharing the basketball, shooting a ton of three-point shots, going fast. Um, we are always near the tops in the country and scoring and assists and three-point attempts. And so that was such a big aspect of how we played. But I was a player that was versatile and could guard multiple positions and play multiple positions. And I ended up being, I didn't come in, I came in as a shooting guard, but I ended up playing point guard quite a bit um, throughout the course of, of my career, whether it was playing the one or the two, but yeah, that was, it, it was about defense and it was, I was relied upon to kind of be ready to play a multitude of different positions and a um, little bit of a glue player. So it, it was fun though. It was, whoa. <laughs> oh, if people could see this, I wish. People, I wish that we can we could video this this podcast. I love it. So, uh, Sarah, this is our everyday. I know, oh, and I kind of wish. I kind of wish that I could see what type of a basketball player Flip was, or at least get out and play a little horse. I know basketball is your game, but yeah, I was a one point shooter. I was. I, I shot. It was like a, that. It wasn't even a free throw. It was. I tried to shoot, but I, I just. I just couldn't do it. I was. Uh, I was the morale officer uh, in my high school. I, I played baseball actually. I was a baseball high school, high school. We know about your baseball career. Do you have a yeah. podcast devoted to your baseball career? We did. It, it ran about two minutes, and we had to cancel it. That was the editor. So it, that's about it. Um, position? Yeah, it like, I was a catcher. I was a catcher too. I played. I played baseball until I got to high school. Flip. I don't think you know this about me. No, I got other, no, lots of other I stories. I, I, I'm sure you have lots of other stories. So <laughs> we, already, we already have a week here. So. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, uh, Kevin, do you have any more questions? How are you doing over there? I, I'm doing well. Dan, do you want to ask you anything? Dan, what's the question? Yeah, you should introduce Dan thinking. better. I feel like he didn't is, even, he didn't like even give Dan any props. Yeah. We see him here. And our Zoom is Yankee gear That's what we do with Zoom. It's like it's like a verb now. We're, we're zooming. It's like I, we I get on a Zoom call. I'm on at eight o'clock, nine o'clock, one. I mean, it's all we do is Zoom. All Did day. you know what Zoom was prior to the pandemic? No, was I this no used idea. in? I feel like we have some some my friends who are in different industries. They, they were already using Zoom. It was familiar. I I just feel like it's different now because now every time someone calls you throughout the day or sets up a call where you would normally just have a conference call or you'd normally just have a friend call you, um, now it's either FaceTime or Zoom. 
everyone's got to see you at all hours of the day. I mean, you got to get dressed for these things. I mean, this is I, awful. I mean, you know, I mean, you used to be able to, you're on the phone, you sit there in your underwear, you say hello. I mean, you, I mean, you didn't really worry about this stuff. Now I, know, I yeah. get dressed, I got to put my pants on. I, mean, I got on. a collar on. But, but I got a collar. See, I got a collar here. People can't see this because it's a podcast that we're very grateful for that, but you're missing out on Sarah because it's just lovely. So I'm sorry you missed that, but the rest of us, uh, we're fairly ugly. We're not missing anything. So you have any more <laughs> questions to Sarah? Yeah. Oh, I know we all have uh, a busy day of us. So why don't we um, wrap this up, Flip? What do you think? I, I think we have to land the plane with Sarah. Thank you so much for being part of this. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, we'll see on the other side of this and look forward to the return of basketball and then, and you being at the, one of the people at the helm for yes. Thank, thank you, you for having me. And that you guys are wonderful. I can't thank you enough for, for welcoming me into the Yes family. So thank you. Uh, you're quite thank welcome. Thank you, Sarah. All right. Bye. Talk to you. Flip, I want to get your uh, impressions of that conversation with Sarah, a great conversation with Sarah. But before we do that, please, everybody, if you like what you're listening to, please rate, review, and subscribe. That really is the best way you can help us here on the Curtain Call podcast. Uh, Flip, an amazing get by you. I think uh, maybe because you're her boss, she she has to come on. <laughs> well, no, she doesn't. But, but, I mean, she's very gracious. She's always gracious. That's the thing about her that makes her so amazing to me is how gracious she really is. And, uh, you know, we said earlier before we, we, we got to the interview about how um, wonderful she is and what her skill sets are. And she's so great with people and she's, uh, she's, she's really good on the air, but she's even better off the air. So when you could take that kind of, uh, have that kind of skill sets where you could do the job as well as she does it and also relate to people in the way that she relates to them, it makes her extraordinary. And she understands history. I mean, she, we talked a little bit about, you know, the, the Leslie Vissers and the Susan Waldmans, and you know, and uh, what that was like. The you know, the Doris Burks, you know, the the Ann Myers, the, the true pioneers, uh, you know, in women's sports. Uh, you know, people who had to go in clubhouses and locker rooms, and you know, face a lot of rudeness and a lot of a lot of indifference and a lot of hostility. And yet, you know, they persevered. And they then they, you know, made had legendary careers. And and I I will tell you, I think I really think that Sarah is on her way toward that kind of career. I think she's got that kind of talent. And uh, I don't think there's anything that she can't really do. She's so versatile. And uh, if you put her on the Today Show, she'd, she'd slaughter that. If you put her on Nightly News, she'd kill, kill that. If you put her on Saturday Night Live, she could get through that. She's got a great sense of humor. So, and she's a you know, good talent for, for live sports. So you put it all together. I mean, that's the package. And so thank you to the package for spending a little time with us. Here's how you know she's a good person. Because like you said, she credited all the pioneers that came before her. And then when we were talking about her Emmy Award now, she brought up Frank DeGrace, the Nets producer. She brought up Ian Eagle. She brought up everybody in the truck. It was less about her and her victory at the Emmys, and it was more about the team. Totally. I mean, but that's who she is. She's a team player. I mean, she played team sports. She gets the team concept. And, uh, you know, she's, uh, she's, uh, she's understands what it is. Listen, this is all connected tissue. Would you do in a telecast? The producer, the director, the play-by-play the, the -play person, the analyst, uh, you know, the director, they all have to be coming from the same place. That uniformity and that being on the same wavelength is what makes great television. And she understands that to the T. She's been in television trucks before she ever got a mic in her hand. And I think that is a great lesson because you learn what goes on in a truck before you go out and put a mic in your hand. I think it's important for every broadcaster to spend time in a production truck or a, a studio control room just to see the inner workings and to see 
what each person in that room does, what their job responsibilities are. You'll do your job better if you understand their job. And she totally gets that. She totally got that. And that's one of the reasons she is where she is there right now. Even when we asked her about her playing days at DePaul and her being uh, a prolific three-point shooter, she put it on the coach in the system. She's like, yeah, I was just part of the system. And Harry Judge is part of a system that 50 home runs. I mean, you know, you could say that. I mean, that, but that's modesty. See, that's she deflects. She deflects. Yeah. She doesn't like the, the, the credit for things. And she deflects. And she's humble. She doesn't like that, the attention. There are other people that love attention, you know. Uh, but, and, but, but she doesn't. And she doesn't crave it. And that's one of the things that makes her unique. She doesn't crave attention. In our business, everyone loves the spotlight. We're all performers. You know, we are. And, uh, and she's a performer, too, but she understands that she has it in context. Well, Flip, like I said, that was a great get by you, Sarah Kustak. I really enjoyed the interview. Um, how about before we go? I want to know a little bit about what Mr. John J. Filippelli is doing during quarantine. I know right now you're down in Florida. How are you passing your time? Uh, you know, actually, I, I'm, I'm doing it as constructively as I can, but I'm spending a lot of time on the phone, a lot of time on these Zoom calls. I didn't even know what Zoom was before. That's all I told them. They like, Zoom at 8, they Zoom at 9, they Zoom at 10. The midday after, that's all I do is Zoom. But uh, I basically from about 9 in the morning to about 8 o'clock at night, I'm working. I'm doing stuff. I'm on the phone. We're planning, a, you know, when we go back to work, which hopefully we soon. You know, we, uh, you know, we've got all the, we understand all the, the guidelines, uh, that we have to uh, sort of honor and go through and make sure that we're ready to, to put the games back on the air. So I have, there's a lot of work that's endemic to that. And I've, Mike Webb, who's our head of our technical operations, Lee Freiman, who's been here, I'm sure, many, many times. Jared Boschnack, Bill Boland, you know, John Moore, you, you Kevin, you know, Dan Besson is a, a great engineer. He's not really part of my planning to come back, but he's, but he's a good guy. I'm giving him a pop there. But we, you know, so we, we talk about things. I talk to the talent. Our basketball town, our Frank DeGrace, who heads up basketball productions. I talk to our baseball group. I interface with the Yankees, and we have a lot of meetings and calls and to talk about a lot of things about coming back and how we're going to handle things. So my days are really full, and at night, you know, my wife Jenna and I, we watch a lot of television, TV. I watch about two what hours. What are you watching? I watched, I watched two shows that really had me probably the most gripping thing I've ever seen is Fauda, F-A-U-D-A. It's on Netflix, and it's about sort of the conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinians. And it's a fascinating, it's fascinating watch. It's a very gripping drama. And a show called The Trial, which is from Italy. And it's really, it's, you know, I got, the first was a little hokey. But once I got past that, I got into it. It's a really very good show, actually. Well acted, well written. It's fun. And it, it pacing of it is tremendous. And it's a good watch. And, you, you know, and you, know, you can get away. You don't have to read subtitles. Because I was reading subtitles with Fowler. And so I got to stop reading. I still have too much work to read for me right now. I too many things in my brain going on. So, but that's pretty good. So I watch a little TV, you know, I, I sit on the balcony, it's a very nice place looking over, look at the water a little bit. And, you know, it's, it's very comforting and it's very, it's very removed from, from the day-to-day of what's going on in the world right now, which is, you know, scary and frightening and difficult. And, you know, we face it every day. So you need a little respite. So that's my respite, you know. So that's what, that's what basically I've been doing. And we try to get involved with any community stuff that we can if we can contribute some money or help in any way. My wife and I are very community oriented, so we try to do stuff and it kind of passes my day. What are you doing, Kev? The more you talk, the more I'm amazed that we are as close as we are because we might be two polar opposites. I'm not watching anything close to what you're watching. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm watching like Two Broke Girls, um, Mom, the sitcom. Uh, 
I'm watching The Middle again. Did you ever watch The Middle? That's a funny sitcom. No, I didn't see the first part of the end part, so why should I watch The Middle? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. No, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Do you like it? Well, yeah. You know what? The Middle's good because, you know, I have a young son and he can watch it yeah, with us. sure. Uh, of course. I cannot watch it. Two Broke Girls with him, for example. That's a little more risque. Given the stock market, I don't want to talk about Broke Girls. Oh, I don't want to go there. Two Broke Girls. Uh, the stock it's a market. popular startup. Yeah, the stock market. You know, people, people lost a lot of money. A good so day today, time. though, right? Was it? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't look today. I mean, I'm just look. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to look at life and, and, uh, and on a macro level. You know, I'm just trying to look at uh, you know all that's there. And you know, there's a lot of really good things in life. A lot of really good people. And you've seen a lot of good people. You've seen a lot of charity work from people in these difficult times. And I, I you see it all over. And I, you know. And there's also people who take advantage and they're just idiots. You have those people too. But I'll tell you what, the, the people who, who have charity and have done things for other people and have been selfless far outweighs the, the idiots. So I, give, I tip my hat to those people who are trying to make a difference in this crazy situation that we're in. You know, and I, and I stare down the people who have not done anything and are difficult to be around and, and just to, about a situation. So you see those people too, but I must tell you, the good people have really surfaced, and it makes you proud. It makes you proud of the human race, actually. And tip your, cap to, uh, tip your cap to those who participated in the All In Challenge. Um, I That's mean, right. tens of millions raised for this and the All In Challenge. Of course, we played a part in it as well. The yeah, Yes we, Network. We, something. we gave uh, yep. we some yep. seats, and uh, we went seats, and we gave a visit to the booth, and uh, that that uh, we'll honor that, of course. We'll honor, when, but of course, we can't honor it right now. It's that's what we can do right now. But when things times get better and we have people in ballparks, we'll we'll honor that. And people come to the booth, say hello to David Cohn and Paul O'Neill and Michael Kay, and uh, you know, and uh, I'll take them around a little bit and see the stadium a little bit. It's fun. We we'll have a good time. That, that's a nice, a nice package. I'm glad that people recognized it and wanted to participate in it. That that means a lot. So it's gonna be fun. And I'm glad that we could we could figure that out. We've got a lot of things going on charity wise. We've got the we're going to work with MSG and SMY together, the three networks, uh, three networks, one city, one cause, uh, to raise money for you know for, for COVID nineteen, and we're going to do that, and that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to the, the three networks getting together and participating in that. That's and I said that's we, actually it's historic, but it's for a great cause. Obviously, it's for people on the front lines who are you know fighting this horrible thing, and uh, it's our way of saying thank you. But the stories of inspiration, all our announcers will get together and tell stories of New York inspiration and, uh, you know, and uh, heroic efforts indeed. So it's going to be a good show. It's an hour and 90 minutes. We haven't figured it out yet. But, uh, and you'll hear more about that in the coming weeks. But uh, it's going to be exciting and fun. Should be a lot of fun. Flip, uh, I have time catching up. What do you think? You want to land it? Yeah, in the words of Ashley Fugazi, it's time to land a plane. Dan Song, thank you very much for your hard work today. Thank you seriously. You're a good guy. You work hard. You a nice job. And, um, and we'll see you soon, right, Kev? We'll see you next time. Play the music. Somebody hit that music. <laughs> All right, we're done. That's it. See you. You don't want to go Goodbye.